Episode 41, Hey Love Podcast. Sometimes the wounds of a friend can feel like a kiss. Have you ever experienced this? I did not mean for that to rhyme. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love. Last week, we talked a little bit about my struggle and recovery from codependency. Did any of that story resonate with you? It sounded like it did. If so, you may get a little something out of this episode, too. We're on our third and final solo episode for a while. So today I'm going to be wrapping up our discussion on codependency, namely on how to find your voice if you struggle with codependency. In the last episode, episode 40, I touched on how hard it is for some of us to state our opinions or make a decision without enlisting everybody else's opinion first. Even harder for me was conveying when I'd felt hurt by someone's words or actions. Having to initiate a hard conversation of any kind was anxiety-producing, to say the least. I mentioned that I was really clumsy at first. There's definitely room in here to grow. But I felt it was an important skill to learn because the Lord convinced me that communicating your feelings, confronting in love, is much more real, much more vulnerable and honest than shutting down like I used to do, or dishing it back out like I also used to do. Nathan confronted David, and it was for the good of David's soul. I've had a couple of close friends who did this really well, and it was like, ah. Oh, That felt like a fresh summer breeze, like walking into an air-conditioned gas station after you've been on a really long walk on a hot July day. It can increase intimacy and deepen your faith as a believer. One time I was keeping a friend's kid after school, and when the mom came to pick up the other child, she told me that she was a little troubled by what the kids had been watching on TV at my house. I felt like she was really caring, not only for her child and what her child was taking in, but also the mom encouraged me to give my own kids the gift of purity for as long as possible. They were just watching some movie. It was maybe a G or PG, but I really had loose standards at first. I'm telling you, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And the way that this mom approached me was so gentle and honoring. She wasn't at all judgy or mean. Um, It was very disarming. I'll never forget that conversation. Another time she asked me, she pulled me aside again, like she did the first time. And um, so I wasn't humiliated in front of anyone else, especially the kids. And she said, hey, um, I noticed that my daughter has been um, really well fed here. And when she comes here and hangs out with you after school, she talks about how she had two different snacks. And, you know, I I so appreciate you caring for her and feeding her when she's hungry. But I don't want you to feed her too much because when um, it's dinner time, she doesn't really eat well at my house. And, you know, I heard her saying all this and I, I took it all in. I was like... Wow, it's such a different perspective. And our take on it was just so different. Like, if I like you, I'm going to feed you too much. If I like your kid, I'm going to feed her too much. We were all just a bunch of big, fat Indian eaters. (laughs) 
there's another big fat Greek wedding reference right there. But this mom, both times she was so honoring to me and respectful that I never felt like she was putting me down or telling me I was a bad parent. She made me feel like um, encouraged to do better. She challenged me and spurred me on to good deeds. She is still one of my dearest friends. I'm so glad that she spoke the truth in love to me because we've raised our kids together and I'm a better parent for it. Sometimes the wounds of a friend can feel like a kiss. I've also had a few friends who didn't do it really well. Like you have, I'm sure. And I've had a few, three to be exact, who've even been willing to go to a third party, like a counselor or a pastor, um, just because we couldn't work out a conflict on our own. Now remember, this is over a span of about 30-ish years. I've had three friends actually go to a counseling appointment with me. Because when a relationship means that much to you, you're willing to go and get help. I was applying the Matthew 18 principle just like that mom was to me. If one of your brethren sins against you, take her aside privately. And if she gets defensive and blows up in your face and tries to turn it around on you, or if you just hit an impasse and can't seem to move through it, take it to a third party, an objective other, another witness. If you and your friend find you do reach a point where you know you just keep going around and around the same issues come up over and over, you may want to consider going to a counselor or a pastor. Having another set of eyes on something can be really helpful, so that might be a good option for you. This isn't for you to apply with every stranger you meet on the street or every time the checkout lady is rude to you at Kroger, unless, of course, the spirit leads you to confront that woman. But typically, this kind of stuff you really only use with the people that you're in, like, long-term relationship with. And if you do choose to go to a counselor together, the goal here cannot be restoration every time. Because sometimes you just got to get to a point of understanding and forgiveness and might still need to part ways for a season after that, like Paul and Barnabas did. There are situations that call for necessary endings. When it's done correctly, it's biblical. But this isn't the kind of stuff that they taught us in college or even Bible study. We can get equipped, though. All this stuff can be learned. I've been learning about it, and I am so passionate about passing it on to you. Sometimes breaking up is the most loving thing you can do. Because if if a person is completely unrepentant, it might be the Spirit's way of dealing with that person to feel the gravity of their loneliness, you know, by you leaving. That sounds really harsh. But there's this old saying that the Spirit of God uses pain as his megaphone. I want to say somebody said that. Maybe it might have been like C.S. Lewis. I think it was C.S. Lewis. There's nothing like pain to get our attention and help us hit our rock bottom so that we can come to our senses and repent and turn away from the pigsty that we're eating out of the pig trough, like the prodigal son. The thing is, it can't be your idea to inflict that kind of pain. It can't be, hey, I'm going to punish my friend so she will repent. <laughs> no, it can't be like that. It's got to be a spirit-led thing. And to be led by the Spirit, you got to be abiding in Him. Remember, He's the vine and we're the branches. He's always speaking through His Word, through His people, through His Spirit, through our prayers, and through our circumstances. 
And the way you know that you're being led by the Spirit is you have the other person's best interest at heart. And we find ourselves moving towards another person at the impulse of the Spirit's love. A dear friend of mine, Johanna Kappen, she's a brilliant writer, teacher. She says that the Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit in us, and our job is simply to enjoy the fruit. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's so awesome. I feel like that's always the answer here, the Spirit. Like the kid in Sunday school, every time the teacher asks a question about anything at all, the kid every time raises his hand and says, Jesus. In this case, or at least on this podcast, the answer is always the Spirit. It always seems to be the Spirit. How do you forgive someone who's hurt you? By the Spirit. How do you learn to find your voice and speak the truth in love? How do you confront somebody in love? Or how can a person possibly be saved from their sickness or addiction or be born again? Or how does a person change? By the Spirit. I want you to know, I certainly don't invite conflict in my relationships. Nobody likes conflict. Nobody in particular asks for it. But I find that when it does happen, I'm not paralyzed by it anymore. It doesn't consume all my thoughts and keep me up all night. I know that even if a friend gets really mad at me or decides she doesn't like me anymore, I know that I'm still loved. Even if we get into a conflict that we cannot resolve, I'm not going to fall over and die from parting ways with a friend. That's not the thing that's going to take me out anymore. I thought it would, but it didn't. It was like, death, where is your sting? I know that I'm loved because that love is rooted in who I am in Jesus Christ. It's nothing that I've done. It's just because I believe Him. The point is, relationships are worth the risk and the work. If your relationship is important to you, are you willing to fight for it? Do you value it enough to do that? Yes, you may get hurt, but chances are you're already hurting now, right? And they may leave. Yes, you're right. But is it possible that God might allow them to leave or you to leave for a good reason? Will you trust him to be bigger than your friendship, even if there's been a rupture in it? It might not be a permanent rupture, but either way, whether your friendship is restored or comes to a screeching halt, one of those necessary endings, will you trust God with the outcome? I know it's hard, but I've been hearing from you on Instagram and um, across texts and emails and Facebook and in the hallway at church and in Bible study. And I know that you've been struggling. I know that you've had a hard time with your friendship. Friend, I can say by the grace of God that I am free from codependency now. I am free. It's it's like anything else. Once you've tasted freedom from any kind of bondage, you want to help others find freedom too. There can be reconciliation and restoration and even increased intimacy in a friendship after a conflict. I've seen that happen. Conflicts don't have to be all, you know, knock down, drag out fights. A conflict can be done in a civilized, loving way, which can actually make the other person feel loved and pursued. Here are some steps you can take if you would like to move toward deeper gospel-centered relationships. I'm going to read first thing from Jesus Calling. This is from um, Sarah Young's September 24th entry. It's so good, and it um, applies well here. 
Live first and foremost in my presence. Gradually, you'll become more aware of me than of people and places around you. This awareness will not detract you from your relationships with others. Instead, it will increase your ability to give love and encouragement to them. My peace will permeate your words and demeanor. You will be active in the world, yet one step removed from it. You will not be easily shaken because my enveloping presence buffers the blow of your problems. So that's my prayer for you, my friend, that you will feel one step removed, that the things of this world including your relational problems, will become strangely more and more dim. That you will find the same freedom that I have. That your identity will be in the rock, in the solid rock of Christ Jesus. That's where your identity lies. I hope you believe it. When you're focused on His presence and your identity being rooted in His love and established in Him, your relational problems will take their proper size. If you're feeling like you need to confront a close friend, pray for the Spirit to lead you. Pray for the other person's heart to turn to Jesus in repentance. Pray for repentance for yourself, too. And pray that if there's a counselor or a pastor that you need to go to, that God would reveal their name to you and that they would have an open slot soon, sooner than later, because you don't want your friendship to die a slow death. I've done that, and it's, I mean, you know, in the back of my mind, I've thought, well, it's all going to be a wash in heaven, because she's a believer, I'm a believer, we'll we'll all get up there, and it'll all be fine. Yeah, that's true, but what if you're missing out on something really, really sweet? What if it increases intimacy, maybe with that person, but surely with God? Because when you see Him work, in your friendship that you thought was going to die a slow death, there is nothing that can build a woman's faith more than that. I've seen a friendship resurrected, and I've seen I've seen friendships just die. And I haven't always been obedient, but the times that I have been obedient and confronted the person when I felt led to, I feel like the pleasure of God is on me. I hope you know what that feels like. It's awesome. Even when I have struggled with abandonment issues all my life. And even when friendships have fallen by the wayside, even when friends have left, when you've lost everything but Jesus, you realize that Jesus is really all you need. Next, I want you to meditate on the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, it's a classic. I'm going to read that to you now. I'm crazy about the Amplified Version. So I'm going to read uh, what's in parentheses as I go. 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but don't have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love, it does me no good at all. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, and is not jealous or envious. Love doesn't brag. 
is not proud or arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked nor overly sensitive or easily angered. It doesn't take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will all pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. Down um, at the very end, verse 13 says, And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. There it is again. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. So powerful, isn't it? That's what we want to be our motivation. So be encouraged as you learn to find your voice and speak the truth in love. Thank you for joining me today. And friend, don't forget our contest is still going on. If you want to win this frother steamer machine awesome thingy, reach out on Instagram to enter our contest. Post a picture of yourself with your favorite mug or just the mug (laughs) without your mug. (laughs) See what I did there? Just the mug without your face in it with the hashtag myfrotherandme. That's spelled out. Hashtag myfrotherandme. And for the caption, here's what I want you to do. Imagine you know you're going to be on a deserted island. You can only take two things. Besides your new frother, what's the one other thing that you would take? So to win, go post the picture, then write out my frother and then you fill in the blank. Put that on the Hey Love podcast page, on Instagram, or Facebook. Go enter now, and at the end of this month, October 2017, we're going to have a random drawing, and if your name is drawn, this brand new shiny awesome Nespresso Arachino machine thingy is going to be shipped to you anywhere in the United States. And hey, love, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider passing it on to a friend. We are all about sharing the gospel through the grid of relationships. Who do you know who holds relationships near and dear to her heart? (laughs) I don't know a woman who doesn't. And please hop on to iTunes, too, if you want to join us in this mission. Here's a review by Rave Dave. Carthy's insight into compassion and fear have been very valuable to me. I always look forward to a new episode. Thank you, Rave Dave. That's awesome. If you care to join us in this mission to bring the gospel through the grid of relationships, please consider going on iTunes and leaving us a review too. Because women really do read those. They like to get a feel for what is this podcast about, and your words really do matter. It makes a difference. And someday, your review might help us to get a sponsor, because they're checking those out too. 
Next week, I am so excited to introduce you to my dear friend and one woman that I call my big sis, Bonnie Keen. You are going to love her. Cannot wait for you to meet her. So hit that little purple subscribe button. Just another way for you to live out love. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. There, there is re- re- reconciliation. Talk much?